Happy New Year. So, I'm going to say a few things that are going to make some people mad. I hope you don't. I hope you take what the Holy Spirit wants you to take personally. And whatever it doesn't belong to you, pray for the person that you think that it belongs to. Amen? So, I don't, I'm my, it's not my goal to run anybody off. Or, it's my goal that we all become disciples and we're living according to the principles and the truth provided to us in and by Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. Amen. But I was thinking about this all week, and then as I was trying to slap things together, and I had several failures, um, running a little late this morning, and I thought about this this week, and then I thought about it again on my way over. Suppose I didn't show up. Right? I know that there's some spiritual people in here that would sing, pray. I, I know that that would happen, that there'd be enough. But suppose pastors, um, leadership of churches just came to church when they felt like. Suppose I was the kind of pastor that was kind of in and out. How would you feel about coming here? Right? So how do you think God feels about all of those people who may show up to church, may not? Maybe I'll just watch it online. How, how does that... See, everybody in here and everybody who chooses to come occasionally or when the mood hits them or there's nothing better to do, you have to understand, it's not just about your spiritual growth and development. It's about what you also bring to the body of Christ. Amen? Amen? It means something to me to have fellowship, not just with my family or the, the core group. I, I thank the core group so much, those who are so faithful. But it means a lot to me to have fellowship with everyone, with all of you that call this place your home. And believe it or not, I know that you, you guys have relationships away from me, which is awesome. When I hear of the fellowship that's done away from the church or that you enjoy with each other, that, that, that warms my heart. That's, that's what it's all about, amen? So, listen, what I'm saying to you is... Not for you, 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 you. Take it. Preach it. Teach it. Hold it in your heart. But understand that it's important that we show up for each other. Amen? Amen. Amen. Father, in Jesus' name, I thank you so much for your word. I thank you, Lord, that you have ordained a people for this time, for such a time as this. And Lord, that there are people in this room and people watching and listening, which, uh, Father, for the people that only watch but are physically able to go, I pray that you will move on their hearts and they would be present, present with your people. They would show up to the house and have fellowship and be tangible. <laughs> Father, in Jesus' name, move on their hearts. But Lord, I thank you so much for this fellowship and for the people that you've called for such a time as this. Lord, that we have a heart for you, for your word, for your people. We have a heart for your work. So, Lord, I pray that today would be fruitful according to the purpose and plan that you've called each and every one of us to. Lord, that we may walk out of here knowing that we spent time with you, knowing, Lord, that we have a fresh touch, a fresh anointing, 
and some knowledge and some wisdom that we didn't have when we came in. So bless us, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen? And amen. Well, last week, um, it really was stirred in my heart. And you could see I left that slide up, um, the powerful blood of Jesus. And I just want to you know, make sure we're all jumping off the same platform. If you'll remember, we uh, started off in Colossians. And in Colossians verse uh, 18 of chapter 1, it begins, And he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he may have preeminence. For it pleased the Father that in him all the fullness should dwell. And by him to reconcile, how many things? All things. All things are reconciled to God through Jesus Christ. By him, whether things on earth or things in heaven, having made peace through the blood of his cross. Peace between God and man. No longer enmity between God and man. There's peace. Now there's a relationship that we have. The Father, what Adam, what Adam destroyed, Jesus brought back. Amen? Hallelujah. So there are other things about the powerful blood. That was all done by the blood of His cross. But now in Ephesians chapter 2 we see, but in Christ Jesus, who want, you who once were afar off have been brought near by the blood of Christ, nearer to God. Romans 5, 8, 9, but God demonstrates His own love toward us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than having now been justified by His blood. Now you are justified by His blood. It's just as if you never sinned. You've never committed the offense. Amen? Hebrews 13, 12, Therefore Jesus also, that he might sanctify the people with his own blood, suffered outside. You've been sanctified. You've been set apart. You Listen, I, want to re I can't say this enough. We are not citizens of the United States of America. That's our secondary citizenship. We are citizens of the kingdom of heaven. Amen? Amen. You've been set apart. You've been set apart as his, as his people. Amen? Also in 1 Peter and in other scriptures, and please believe me, I know, and many of you can um, some, utter some scriptures that are coming to your mind and to your heart, talking about the blood, what the powerful blood of Jesus has accomplished for those who believe in him. 1 Peter 2.24, who himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree, that we, may, that we, having died to sins, might live for righteousness, by whose stripes you were healed. Healed. We receive healing by the blood of Jesus Christ. Amen? Physical and spiritual. Some people say, well, Tony, that just means physical. No, it does. I mean, spiritual. No, that means physical as well as spiritual. And you know how I know that? I'm smart. No, he said it. He did it. He practiced it on earth when he was here. And he says, these signs shall follow those who believe. In my name. How about this? If there's any sick among you, bring them to the elders of the church. Let them pray the prayer of faith. If their sins, they'll be forgiven and they'll recover. My brothers and sisters, healing is about... Why did I go there? Because I'm so sick and tired of all of the folks that don't have the power of the blood of Jesus working through them, in them, and on them. Amen? Amen. And then preach something different. It's an excuse. It died with the apostles. No, the blood of Jesus is just as powerful and real today as it was back then. Amen? Amen? So, so that's why it's so important that we understand that we, it's the whole thing. He did, his blood didn't lose just power in one area. If His blood has the power to save you, it still has the power to heal you. Amen? Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. But now let's go back. This was also one of our foundational scriptures last week. It's out of 1 Peter uh, chapter 1, beginning verse uh, 16. Be holy, for I am holy. And if you call on the Father, who without partiality judges according to the, each one's work, conduct yourselves throughout the time of your stay here in fear knowing that you were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver or gold from your aimless conduct received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ. The precious 
blood of Christ, as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. He indeed was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these times, these last times, these last times, 2,000 years ago, these last times. How close are we now? In these last times for you. Amen? So my brother and sister, you see that? You, I, I, could you put that back up there for me, Kaysen? Thanks. Precious blood. So the blood is powerful. The blood is precious. Amen? It's precious. And my brothers and sisters, <clears throat> I got wound up just a moment ago when I'm talking about his blood is powerful and it's just as powerful uh, as, it, it, as it is uh, now as it was then. Please forgive me. It's just as powerful now. And if it has the power to save, then it has the power to heal, right? Amen? Okay, so my brothers and sisters, how precious is that blood? Don't make me sing. What can <laughs> you almost made me sing? What can wash away my right? The oh, precious is the flow that makes me white as snow. No other fount I know, nothing but the blood of Jesus. The blood is precious, it's powerful, and it's precious. And it's my brothers and sisters, look at all of the things that we prize. And, and why we might prize them. Why we would think that they were so valuable. Money's valuable because it buys things we need, obviously. Amen? But look at diamonds. Look at the jewelry. I, bought, I buy my wife jewelry occasionally. I think I, I, I think I even used it in a message. The ruby that I bought her on our, what was that, our 40th or something? Whatever it was. <laughs> but Yeah, I'm starting to lose track. I'm getting old. I, I could use that as an excuse, but... I don't know if that'll fly. But anyway, having said that, we see the gems, the jewels, and even it's even made in the scripture, silver and gold. Now, we were purchased with a price, and the price was the precious blood of Jesus, that same blood that is so powerful, that same blood that cleanses us, that sanctifies us, that justifies us, that, my brothers and sisters, that heals us. How precious is that? Can you imagine? Now, I'm not trying to be facetious in any way, but I'm just trying to get you to think. Can you imagine if you could bottle that? Come on. Would there be a market for that? Come on. Come on. So let me ask you, is there any difference between that, what I've just said, and what's happening in churches and things of that nature where the gospel is being marketed? Uh Uh-oh. You see, my brothers and sisters, where people are making money from the gospel, where people will sell, come on. See, that's the day and age we're living in, and that's the, listen, that's the depravity of man. That's what keeps me ground up, I guess. That's what keeps me, does that make sense to anybody? You understand? I think some of you feel that same way sometimes. But my brothers and sisters, but think about that. So we have all of that stuff that's happening and that's because of the culture and, they're, and they're, they're doing well here and now. But all of us, including them, will have to stand before the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords and give an account. Amen? Amen? For everything we do. But so now, watch. I, 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 I'm just going to say this. I, let me just go to Hebrews because if I stay here, we'll never get done. In Hebrews chapter 10... Beginning verse uh, 26. Some will be up, some won't. For if we sin willfully after we have received the knowledge of the truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins, but a certain fearful expectation of judgment and fiery indignation which will devour the adversaries. 
Anyone who has rejected Moses' laws dies without mercy on the testimony of two or three witnesses. Look at verse 29 out with me. Of how much worse punishment do you suppose will be thought worthy who's, who has trampled the Son of God underfoot, counted the blood of the covenant by which he was sanctified a common thing, and insulted the Spirit of grace? Case and leave that up there for me. Thank you. Look at, do, do you see that? See, remember, the law of Moses, there had to be two or three witnesses in order for the, um, in order for the, the, the judgment. Amen? Okay, someone just couldn't raise uh, a, an accusation against someone. There had to be two or three witnesses. But so, so now look at this. Do you see what this is saying? If that, was able, and, and just, if that was able to occur back then, how much more do you... And the, and the judgments could have been death. So how much more severe would it be for someone who willfully sins after they've accepted the Lord, after they received the Lord, how much... Do you, I'm not making that up. You're seeing it in the Scripture. Amen? So let me give you a little context here first. Now in Hebrews, this, this word is, is written to the Hebrews. This letter is written to the Hebrews, probably by Paul. Um, but my brothers and sisters, the Hebrew church, it looks like they're, they're needing some push. It looks like in that culture, in that time, they're probably suffering persecution. They're probably suffering persecution from, both from the Jews and from the Gentiles for being Christian. And so now, some of them are probably considering going back and observing the Mosaic Law or doing something because they're suffering persecution. They're, they're, they're either they renounce Christ or they suffer. And my brothers and sisters, we're living in that day and it's going to get worse for us. But so this letter is written to them to, I'm thinking, to encourage them to to bolster them. To, so if you go back and you look at the, the chapter on faith, the roll call of faith in, in chapter 11, how he names the names, the, the, the forefathers and those, uh, that roster of faith, my brothers and sisters, he's, in, he's encouraging them. Man, keep the faith. But my brothers and sisters, could you put that back up, Kaysen, please? I, I waited till he took it off and then I said put it back. <laughs> Don't get mad at me. <laughs> look at the blood, when, you, when we do that, when we willfully sin, when we turn around and go ahead and, listen, do the things that we know, the check went off in our heart. Or, or we're not sure if it's right or wrong, but we do it anyway. My brothers and sisters, look, look what it says. We've trampled the Son of God underfoot and we counted the blood of the covenant by which we were sanctified a common thing. You know what a common thing means? The exact opposite of a precious thing. The exact opposite opposite of a precious thing. Do you, do, you, do you hear that? My brothers and sisters, so that's what, I, I got to look at myself and you know, make sure that I still understand how precious the blood of Jesus is and do I consider it that precious? So, so I want to, I, I, I say this, I wrote this down when I heard it a while ago. I'm not going to name the preacher, but this is a famous preacher who has huge church, celebrated, just celebrate it all over the place. And we sing their song. And just, just a fit. Listen to this. I, and if, I've, if you've heard this before, or if I've told you before, you're going to hear it again. <laughs> the process of discipleship is not God changing you into something else. It is Him revealing what you have been all along. God help me if that's the truth. 
In fact, it's the opposite of this. This person is a, a celebrated, a celebrity pastor, huge church, huge following. And, and he's teaching that. The exact opposite. The blood of Christ was spilled so that I can be transformed into something else. Amen? Amen? That's what the Word says. I need to be, listen, I need to be renewed in the spirit of my mind. I need to change everything. This is what the Word teaches. So now, my brothers and sisters, when that kind of thing is being taught and it's more presented as a a self-help kind of thing, you know, you have the good in you, you just got to tap into it. Listen, I'm telling you something. That's not what this Scripture says. And so when people or ministers or we ourselves, let me give a break to all of the quote-unquote celebrity preachers, when we ourselves feel that way, allow ourselves those things, listen, we're trampling on the blood of Christ. And could you put that last one back up, please? Look at this. And insult the Spirit of grace. That's huge. That's huge because I am so sick and tired of hearing all of the apologists that will say, oh, this has nothing to do with your salvation. You can live, you know, you're going to fall, you're going to fail, you're going to, you know, God, you're saved, you're saved for eternity and all that. Explain this. See, what happens, my brothers and sisters, if I think that I can live any old way I want to, if I can go ahead and give in to this indulgence and give in to that indulgence, after all, God knows me, I'm human. Yeah, but here's the problem with that. This says that that blood that you were bought with is so precious that when you take it for granted and you go on and you live any old way you want to, you're trampling on the body of Christ, you're trampling on the cross of Jesus, and you're counting that blood as something not to be regarded. And in fact, you're insulting the Spirit of grace. What does that mean? You're insulting God. He is the Spirit of grace. But the grace that's intended toward you and I, that grace, that grace says to you and to me, you didn't deserve it, but I'm giving you my power. You didn't deserve it, but I'm washing you with my blood. You didn't deserve it, but I'm going ahead and I'm making you clean. You didn't deserve it, but I'm setting you apart. You didn't deserve it, but it's just as if you never sinned. You didn't deserve it, but I'm going to heal you anyway. You didn't deserve it, hallelujah. My brothers and sisters, you didn't. so now that's not precious to me. That doesn't mean a whole lot. Just when Tony starts getting upset and he starts spitting and spewing. Oh yeah. No. Every day of my life. I have to regard that blood so highly. And see, that blood, the Spirit of grace, that grace that says, now you didn't deserve, but I'm giving you the power now by my blood so that you can understand what it is that I'm talking to you. That blood has brought you and me together. That blood has reconciled us. That blood makes you and me be able to walk and talk like I did with Adam. That blood makes you and I be able to communicate. You're going to understand. That blood makes you my son. That blood makes you my daughter. And so now we have relationship. And so now you're going to understand the things that, I'm, that, I've, that I've said to you. You're going to understand the Word of God. And I'm going to give you the power now. Because of grace, I'm giving you the power to do it. Woo! Let me catch my breath. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Guess didn't float her boat. My brothers and my sisters... It's the truth. It's the truth. I need to know. 
And I can't... Listen, I, God it says that God's not going to wink anymore. No, we can't say we didn't know. We know. We know. Hallelujah. See, my brothers and sisters, in the, the, the context of what he was saying in Hebrews, he was saying, I guess, I, I think all of that stuff to a church that, or to a group of people who are living in a time where they're suffering persecution, um, there's some doubts or maybe there's some, there's some things happening. It's wearing on them or they're, they're, being, they're, not, they're being threatened. Their lives, their very existence, how they live. Amen? How they can communicate in the culture. It's happening now. We need to understand that it's going to continue to happen. But we never, ever, ever give an inch as it relates to how powerful and precious the blood of Jesus is, no matter what's happening in my life, no matter what's happening in your life. Amen? This scripture was one I, I didn't bring to us last week, and it's so important. So it's in John. Now a lot of what we speak about for the rest of the way will be out of John chapter 6. So if you want to turn there, uh, please take this opportunity. John chapter 6. In John chapter 6, verse 53, this was one I even gave this scripture to Kaysen last week and, and we never put it up. But Then Jesus said to them, Most assuredly I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink His blood, you have no life in you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life and I will raise him up at the last day. Now my brothers and sisters, there have been... Uh, that was tough for them to understand back then and it's a little tough for us to understand now, I guess for some, but I knew that uh, I know that many of you know, you know, there's a denomination that um, they use that scripture. I'm guessing to justify their trans uh, transubstantiation or whatever they call it, transubstantiation, where they actually believe that um, the blood is actually that wine becomes the actual blood of Jesus, and that. That bread or that wafer becomes the actual body of Jesus. Anybody ever heard that? Yeah, I was raised in that denomination. And they actually believe that when that um, minister blesses it, it actually, there's that um, transubstitute, yeah, whatever they call that the theory. My brothers and sisters, I'm guessing, because uh, I didn't study the, that denomination to its um, nth degree, that this is part of the reason why they think that. So that when you take communion, you're literally taking... But see, we know that that can't be true. You know why I know that? I'm smart. No, because you just read Corinthians. And Corinthians explains exactly what's going on there, right? This is done to remember. But, but I will say this. I would love... The importance that that plays, the, the, the importance that that speaks to in that denomination... I wish that it was as important to all of us. Do you know what I mean by that? I, you know, they consider it so, so sacred, and we should consider it sacred as well. You know, they consider it the, the actual body and blood, but even though we know that it's not the actual body and blood, but it represents the body and blood. You see what I'm saying? And so we need to... See, and that's the thing. So even my brothers and sisters, um, those people that take communion like all the time. I, I mean, I have a dear brother and you know, they take communion every week and it's done 
when I was with them one time, I didn't even know the, the process in which they do it. I mean, it's not even barely acknowledged. They just basically do it. Um, and I'm not trying to be hypercritical of anybody, but I'm just using that to make a point. When we do either one of those things, we're, we're missing the point. We're missing the point. What's the point? The point is that that Jesus, that God in a bod, who was fully human and fully God simultaneously, that body suffered. That body spilt blood. But that body didn't deserve anything. That body first walked a perfect life in perfect obedience to Father. In fact, we know that the reason He was able to give up Himself, even though He re- in that human side of Him, Father, if there's a different way we can do this, if there's another way, let this cup pass. Nevertheless, Your will be done. Even in that we see, my brothers and sisters, this, this extreme obedience to the will of God. And because he was so extremely obedient to the will and did the Father's will, my brothers and sisters, we remember that body going to the cross. And, we rem- and he was the only one qualified to spill his blood on behalf of all of us. Amen? So that's what we're remembering. And, they, and even as we study and we do that, and, and many times you'll hear me quote out of Corinthians, and you don't even need me to continue to quote it, you know, do this in remembrance until I come. And all of that is about what? It's all about us identifying with that. It's all about us understanding that that body He gave up, the blood He poured out. And so now I believe in that. I'm following that. Amen? Amen. Wow. So that transubstantiation, whatever it's called, it's, 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 while it's not scriptural, while it's not theologically sound, I understand the degree of sacredness, if you would. Amen? So now, in chapter 6, that, that, that 53, that's obviously, that's 53, 50, there was 52 other verses before that. So in order to look at some things and make some points here, I, I, I go back and I'm, and I'm reading. Now that chapter basically starts with Jesus feeding uh, about 5,000 people with two fishes and five loaves of bread. Amen? Amen? So my brothers and sisters, we know what happened. I mean, Jesus is looking out. He sees all these people and He says, hey, someone needs to go buy these folks uh, some food. And it was, um, who was it? Philip. And you know, two or three hundred denarii won't be enough to buy all these people food. What do you got? Jesus already knew what was going to happen. Amen? And so we know what happens. He feeds the, the 5,000 plus people. There's more than 5,000. The 5,000 plus people and they collect the scraps and there's 12, bas- 12 baskets of leftovers ready to roll. Amen? And so, man, it's, 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 it's an amazing thing. And so now when he does this, he perceives that these people are going to just take him by force and make him their king. So what Jesus does, because he knows what's going on, they saw this miracle, this sign, this wonder, they've, they've heard him, they're there because they already know his fame. They already, some of them, or many of them, may have already heard him preach. If they didn't hear him directly, they heard of him. And they were, there were thousands of people out there listening to him, following, waiting to hear what he would say. Maybe watching and see if one of their relatives or they could be healed. So they witness this. With two fishes and five loaves, they all get fed. And now this is it. 
They're going to physically make him their king. Jesus perceives this. And so he goes up, up to the mountain to pray to get away from him so that that can't happen. His disciples follow him. But after a while, he sends his disciples down. And we know what happens. They get into the boat. They cross to go to the other side. Now, as they're crossing and go to the other side, a storm whips up. It's getting really rocky and wavy. They were about two or three miles out, and Jesus is walking on the water to them. So Jesus literally walked two or three miles on the water. If you read the Scripture, it says that they were about two or three miles out. So literally, Jesus didn't just take a few steps. He literally walked a couple of miles at least on the water. And he stepped into the boat, and immediately when he stepped into the boat, they, had, they were on the other side. Another sign, wonder, miracle. Amen? Miracle, miracle, miracle. Sign, wonder, wonder. So now when the people get up in the morning, they see that Jesus and his disciples are gone. So they get in their in boats and they go to the other side. They find Jesus and say, you know, hey, where were you? We were looking for you. I'm just going to read to you because I don't want to mess it up. And, and, and Jesus says... <clears throat> Most assuredly I say to you, you seek me not because you saw the signs, but because you ate of the loaves and were filled. Look at verse 27 with me. Do not labor for the food which perishes, but for the food which endures to everlasting life, which the Son of Man will give you, because God the Father has set his seal on him. Now, my brothers and sisters, I, you know, we could do just a quick thing, that, that word labor. That word labor, if you word study it, I mean, it's a little bit, yeah, it's work. It means just pretty much... But, but if you, when, you, when you expand it out, I, which I try to, I'm not trying to go down a different, to toil, occupation, be engaged in or with. Now, in King James, it's, it's, it's transliterated, commit to do, labor, minister about. See, my brothers and sisters, I think what we could look at that, it, everything, every implication that that word has, for example, labor, we know it means to work. Okay, M many of us in, the, in this room have jobs or, or we're working. And if we're not working for someone else, if, we're, if we happen to be a stay-at-home mom, or maybe we're a mom who has a job and we're in the home, that's work. That's work. I always said my wife's job was always much harder than mine as much as I... <laughs> Much pressure as I felt, and as much as I wanted to walk away from so many jobs in my lifetime, my wife's job has always been harder than mine. It doesn't stop when she gets home. Amen. That's work. And she's committed to it. Amen? How many of you in here are committed to your jobs? And many of us, whether we work at home or, you know, all of us, oh, I, I don't have my mind, it's probably on its last leg right now. Our cell phones keep us connected to everyone and everything so that even if we're not physically at work, we're connected. My point, my brothers and sisters, is that whether we labor for somebody else, whether we have a job or whether we work on our own, we own our own businesses, man, there's a lot of effort and time and commitment to that thing. Does that make sense? And so what Jesus is saying is, look, don't labor for the things that are temporal. Don't labor for the things that, but those things that lead and can hang on to eternal life. Amen. That endure. They, they, they mean something forever. Amen? It doesn't mean that if you have a job, you're not saved. You're not living a life after Christ. It doesn't mean that. But what it means is, if, and here's how I relate it, I've poured through the years, I've poured so much in and put so much time into the job, and I've shared with you many times, you know, sometimes it took me away from the kids, 
You know what I mean? And so, yeah, sometimes it couldn't be helped, but there's sometimes that it could have been. Right? You see what I'm saying? So, my brothers and sisters, what about my relationship with God? How much do I put into my job with the understanding that, well, I got to do this for work because, you know, after all, I have to make money. You know what? Uh, when I interviewed for a handful of jobs after a little while and I matured a little bit more spiritually, I can't work on Sundays. Yeah, but, nope. If we have a special event, I'll be here in the morning, but when church starts, I got to be at church. I'm already obligated. I got to be somewhere. Now, I'm not saying if you're not doing that, you're in sin. No, but I'm saying, my brothers and sisters, when I read this scripture and you read this scripture, there has to be something that we take from it. You know, uh, I've got this activity, that activity, the other activity. I mean, after all, I've got to spend time with the family. Spend time with the family in church so that the kids see that what a commitment to God looks like. So that when you later on, as your kids grow old, they say, man, I, you know, every Sunday I was at church. Now when they're teenagers, they say, yeah, well, and when they're young, maybe. But one day they're going to remember. One day. And they're coming back. Raise your kids up in the way they should go. When they get older, they won't depart. Oh, there, there might be a time where they kind of slough off a little bit. But when they mature, they're going to understand something, my brothers and sisters, that you've poured into them all of that time. They're going to understand that, you know what? You know, I don't, we may not feel like going to church right now, but you know what? We're committed. You know what? Yeah, I'm, I'm tired, or we got some places to be, but guess what? We're going to go and do that after church. When you show your children that, again, they're not going to be all happy and excited about it when they're kids, but when you're setting them up for a future that, listen, my brothers and sisters, that, that leads to their success, that they have an understanding they're, they're more committed in their relationship with God than you will be, your hope is, I'm, I'm guessing. Amen? Amen? And it's going to be all because of the commitment that you had, because of the labor that you had, the labor for the eternal and not the labor for the temporal. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Then he said to them in verse 28, then he's, they said to him, what shall we do that we may work the works of God? Jesus answered and said to them, this is the work of God that you believe in Him who He sent. My brothers and sisters, and this, is, this is what this is all about. You know, eating the body, drinking the blood. This is part of this belief thing. And look, not just having a mental disposition, and you've heard me say this many times about a lot of Scripture. Believing doesn't mean that you've just made a decision mentally. Believing means it's part of you now. Believing means it, it, it's, it's there. It's, it's, it's how you govern yourself. That's the way you think now. That thinking affects what you do. Is that a better way to say it? That thought is so ingrained in you. That is so in you that you can't get away from it. It's with you wherever you go. It's not just convenient in the moment. This is the way it is. Come on. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The work is that you believe on Him who He sent. That's it. That's the only work you've got to do is believe. Yeah. Because if you believe in Him, if you believe in Christ Jesus, and you believe how precious everything that He did, that, that blood that He spilled for you, how precious it is, how powerful it is, you're going to do those things that He's asked you to do. See, if you believe in Him, it starts there. It starts there. And then because of that relationship that you have, because you believe in Jesus, because you believe He is exactly who He said He was, because you believe that that body, that blood is so precious, that sacrifice is so precious, then that means, my brothers and sisters, you're going to look at what He did and what He said, and that becomes your conduct. Amen. 
Right? That's your character. That's what this is. Hallelujah. But see, my brothers and sisters, Jesus, remember how he started that? Would you put that back up one more time, Casey? Do not labor for the food which perishes, but for the food that endures for everlasting life. Why? Because he, remember what he said to them first? You didn't hunt me down because of the miracles. See, they even saw signs, wonders, and miracles. Remember, they were ready to make him king. They were ready to forcibly make him their leader. Right? Why? They, they heard what he said and they saw what he did. And so now, wow. But look at what Jesus says to them when they hunt him down. You, you didn't hunt me down and try to find me, listen, except because your bellies were full. And then he goes into this, right? So my brothers and sisters, he's talking now to a people, a group, a character. People who will be looking to make themselves more comfortable here. People who will be looking for happiness here. People who will be looking for total satisfaction here. People who will be looking for material things and possessions here. People who are looking for gratification now. Isn't that what he said, basically? Absolutely. He's addressing that. He's addressing that. See, my brothers and sisters, I can't look at the blood of Christ, that precious blood of Christ. I can't look at the body hanging on the tree and then that body that comes out of that grave alive and then stay the same. And then think that everything that I should be doing, everything that He did was for me to be happy here. It's all about here and now. Why would I even think that? No. Everything that He did, everything that He showed us, everything that He told us, that's now in me and it's now in you. And what that says is there is a God in heaven who's your Father and loves you. And He saved you so that when His wrath comes upon this earth, you won't be destroyed. You'll be forever with Him in eternity. Everything that we see is going to perish. He doesn't want you to be a part of that. But He's still, again, human beings, even with the stuff that they saw. Nope. What are you going to do? How many churches are filled with people because I feel good now? Or I'm going to go to this ministry because they're going to give me this. We've had it in here, believe it or not. And it will happen until God ends the world. It will happen. That's human nature. But my brothers and sisters, that's what Jesus is saying. You have to eat my body. You have to eat my flesh and drink my blood. Why? Because that nature is what's going to terminate you. I have, a, I have a new nature for you. And so when you eat my flesh and you drink my blood, now the new nature is flowing through your veins. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. And you're not worried about everything that you can have here and now. You're not worried about your social status. You shouldn't be worried about what people, everybody thinks of you. You shouldn't be worried about how much money you have, how much money you don't have. You shouldn't be worried about what your neighbor has. My brother, my father, my sister, my mother, my, my mother-in-law, my brother. You shouldn't worry about any of that stuff. Why? I've eaten the bread of life and I've drank the blood. My treasure is in heaven. Amen? But see, we also have, uh, when I'm studying this, Nicodemus came to mind. Nicodemus, remember Nicodemus chapter 3 of John? 
Another book in John, another chapter in John. In John, remember, Nicodemus, Jesus teaching, preaching, he's doing his signs, wonders, and miracles. Nicodemus goes to him by night. You don't want to be seen. But there's a handful of those Pharisees that do see something about this guy. They know something, right? Now, these guys are the lawyers. They're the experts. These are the highly educated folks. Highly educated, different class of people. Right? In fact, they were looked upon because they were rich and because they were educated that they must be godly. There must be something about these people that are better than us because after all, they have goods, they have possessions, they have education, right? Hmm, sound familiar? Sound familiar? So when I'm reading this and, I'm, and I'm now I'm teaching you and I'm preaching from this, I'm saying, oh my, it's, it's all the same. So now, look at who we're listening to, who has the media, who, all these people who have wealth, they all of a sudden know what's best for the planet. Come on. Do you, do you need me to name names? You know who they are. Okay, all of a sudden, because they, they amassed this wealth and they do have some kind of a de degree of intellect that they were able to cash in on, now all of a sudden they have the final say-so over what's right for this planet, not just this country, this planet, and what's right for you and your family. Same. Nicodemus. There's a handful of people that he's representing, at least a handful. Hey, we know that you've come from God. Nobody can say the things, do the things, unless they come from God. Jesus immediately, what does he say? Truly, truly, unless you're born again, you can't see the kingdom. You can't even, you can't even see it. You can't even denote it. You won't even be able to recognize it unless you're born again. Nicodemus, I'm an old man. How am I supposed to be born again? Jesus. Unless one is born of the Spirit and water, he cannot enter the kingdom. That which is born of flesh is flesh. That which is born of Spirit is Spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. This is in 5 and 8 through 8. The wind blows where it wishes and you hear the sound of it, but you cannot tell where it comes from and where it goes. So is everyone who is born of the Spirit. This is not... See what, he, what Jesus is saying is? Right? You, you're not going to be able to perceive it humanly. This is something that can't be perceived human. That which is born of flesh is flesh. Right? Come on. Unless you're born of water and of Spirit, you can't perceive these things. Now... I've taught you before, and I think many of you already know this. Some people say when he's when born of water, some people say, well, that means when you break the womb because of the ambionic fluid and all that. No. Because I know that... See, here, here's, here's what bothers me about that. Well, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. I don't want to go down a different trail. Or when you're baptized, that's born of water. No, it's not. It's not. And how do I know that? Because there are people... The thief on the cross was not baptized. He went to heaven. How do I know that? I'm smart. No, I read. This day you'll be with me in paradise. He didn't get baptized in water. He didn't get baptized in the Holy Ghost. He had the Holy Ghost because he was able to see who Jesus was. He confessed that he was a sinner. How did he confess? He said to the other thief, hey, we deserve what we're getting. This man's done nothing. Jesus, remember me when you've come into your kingdom. This day you'll be with me in paradise. No water. Amen? See, my brothers and sisters, so we have to know what this means. Born of water, born of spirit. We know, my brothers and sisters, that water is... Washing of water by the Word. 
word. I have a word. That doesn't mean that, listen, Nicodemus, because you don't know anything about the New Testament that we're creating right now, you'll never be born again. No, no. Even, see, here's the thing. Nicodemus, you're a lawyer. You understand the whole word. So look, look, look. When, when, when Nicodemus said that, when Jesus said that to Nicodemus, he answered him, Nicodemus answered how can these things be? Jesus says to him, you're the teacher of Israel and you don't know this? Did Jesus, was Jesus surprised that he didn't know it? No. He's making a statement. My brothers and sisters, here's what he's saying. As smart as you are, as much as you know about the Old Testament, you still don't know. Why? Because it hasn't been revealed to you spiritually. Hallelujah. That which is born of water and spirit. Hallelujah. Get it now? I do. My brothers and sisters, my, this, this is... I'm taking on the flesh of Christ. I'm eating the flesh. I'm drinking the blood. Spiritually, I don't need the transubstantiation. I don't need that. What I need to know is that Jesus gave His body for me. Jesus gave His blood for me. That's what I need to know. And when I take that communion, I'm doing, I'm remembering. But here's the real, the point is, if we do it once a month, once every other week, it doesn't matter. I need to remember that every day. Every day, I'm identifying with the body and blood of Christ. And the blood, the precious blood, the powerful blood that has done all of that for me. I can't trample it. Amen? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Are you the teacher of Israel? And you don't know that? I'm so taken back by so many times. <laughs> I'll preach a message. And so I'll say, that was good, but... Okay? I'm not saying... So listen, I want to, I'm just trying to relate to you. I'm not saying that I'm the greatest preacher, second greatest. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying I'm the greatest theologian. I'm not saying any of that. Not at all. I'm not saying that everything I say is 100%. No. You better check it out. You better check it out. But, my brothers and sisters, how in the world can you say, man, what a great, what a great message. But, okay, if there's a but, then that means it wasn't a great message. Are you hearing me? Okay. But, you could have said this. Okay. If that's the case, if you're so smart, See what I'm saying? Because you thought of something. Because you said something. I remember one time I was teaching. Um, the, one of the companies that I worked for, they let me do uh, devotions. on Was it Thursdays? Thursdays. I'd bring the crew in. And they, I would extend their lunch. And it was totally voluntary. So we set the chair up in the shop. We had an air-conditioned shop. It was magic. And <laughs> so we had an air-conditioned Everybody sat down. So <clears throat> I'm, I'm ministering. And... I see a kid in the front who went to a Bible school. And so I'm saying some stuff and he's going this. So I, I didn't, I let it go. And then afterwards I said, well, he said, well, that wasn't necessarily right. Okay? Tell me why wasn't it right? Well, because the Bible says this, yes, but it also says this. See, he knew that I didn't go to Bible college, but he did. And so what he was trying to do is, I'm, I know more than you. He always bragged about how, many, how much scripture that he had to have memorized for his uh, college, for his college classes and stuff like that. Now, I, listen, but the problem was 
he was going according to a doctrine, a certain denomination. And so he could take out some scriptures and say, this is what, okay, but that's good, but how about this scripture? Let's interpret it according to scripture. What am I saying? My brothers and sisters, we can't be like the Nicodemuses of the world. Although Nicodemus, God was working on his heart. Praise the Lord. God, have mercy. But there are many others, as we'll see later on in this chapter, that don't. In fact, let's go there. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. This is 635. I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall never hunger, and he who believes in me shall never thirst. But I said to you that you have seen me, and yet you do not believe. All that the Father gives me will come to me, and the one who comes to me I will by no means cast out, for I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but to do the will of him who sent me. This is the will of the Father who sent me, that of all he has given me I should lose nothing, but should raise it up at the last time, at the last day. And this is the will of him who sent me, that everyone who sees the Son and believes in him may have everlasting life, and I will raise him up at the last day. The Jews then complained about him because he said, I am the bread of life which comes down from heaven. And they said, is not this Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How is it then that he says, I have come down from heaven? Do you, do you hear that? Okay, why, why, see, my brothers and sisters, again, the signs, wonders, and miracles are already there. Now he says this thing that's pretty hard for them to understand and to grasp, right? But remember, mixed in there, many of you do, that he used the the... Manna came down from heaven. Remember that example that he used, right? The manna came down from heaven. And your fathers ate it and they died. Yeah, but God reigned that day. Okay, but I am the true manna from heaven. Whoever eats this flesh will live forever. And so now they're, they're totally, because he's using their scripture to explain himself. And so all of these people who are learned, who are smart, who have the high IQ, the high education, who should know better. And after all, this person is from Galilee. We know his father. We know his brother. What are you talking about? You came from heaven. Are you there? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He's preaching it. He's teaching it in the synagogue. He knows. Well, my brothers and sisters, here we have this. We have this going on right here, right now. We have those who just listen. What, I'm going to go and follow Jesus for whatever He can bring me here now. Or I can't follow Jesus because I have too much of this other knowledge. That's too easy. That's too simple. That's that doesn't make sense. You have to be able to explain it to me at, a, at an intellectual level that makes more sense. After all, yes, can I believe that there is a supreme being? Yeah, but do I believe that one man? I believe Jesus is one of many ways. Anybody hear that one? Why? Because we're narrow. Because we're limited. Because we're intolerant. Any of these words sounding familiar to you? We're exclusive. No. Jesus said, anybody, whosoever. My brothers and sisters, but out of all of those myriad of gods and goddesses and this one and that one and all of the, even the major world religions right now, there's not any one of them can com that can compare to Jesus. None of them can say that they gave their leader gave their body and gave their blood for them. None of them. Amen. 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 Jesus did. Amen. Hallelujah. 
continuing now in John 6. I'm almost done. In John 6, verse 56. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me, and I in him. As the living Father sent me, I live because of the Father. So he who feeds on me will live because of me. This is the bread which came down from heaven. Not as your fathers ate manna and are dead. He who eats this bread will live forever. These things he said in the synagogue and taught at Capernaum. He said it right in the synagogue. Therefore, many of the disciples, when they heard this, they said, this is a hard saying, who can understand it? When Jesus knew himself that his disciples complained about this, he said to them, does this offend you? What if you should see the Son of Man ascend where he was before? Verse 63, it is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. The words that I speak to you are spirit and they are life. My brothers and sisters, my brothers and sisters, when he's talking about you and me eating his flesh and drinking his blood, it is the same thing. Think of it as the physical thing. You need, my brothers and sisters, spiritual food and the blood of Christ to live spiritually. In your physical body, you need food and water to sustain your life. If you want life eternal, you need to eat his flesh and drink his blood. Is that a hard saying? No. That means, listen, Jesus, I want more of you. I'm going to ingest your word. I'm going to honor the blood that you spilled. I'm going to honor the blood that's so powerful, that's so precious. Amen? Listen, that blood is so powerful that the enemy of your soul and mind has to bow to it. Cannot touch or go past it. That's the truth. Amen? Precious. Precious. Stand with me, please. How precious is the blood to you? How precious is the blood? Can we leave here with a, a renewed, I don't know, a, what's the right word? Help me. With a renewed understanding and a renewed of sense of urgency as it relates to regard, regarding the, the blood of Christ as so sacred that we don't want to do anything to trample it. Amen? Can, can we do that? You know what? You know, New Year's resolutions, I usually get up here and I'll tell you about, you know, everybody makes New Year's resolutions and the average, I'm not, you may be above average and you may be able to keep your resolution more power to you. The average, most of the resolutions talk about um, losing weight or eating healthier, which are all good things. So I'm not trying to foo-foo anything like that. But what I'm saying is, how many actually keep it? And, and they've done studies on it. I've shared the statistics with you in the past. But that doesn't matter. We have something that's far different than just sustaining this physical body. You know, I want to make a, a spiritual, a spiritual proclamation here. I want to make a, a, a spiritual... I, I, want it, I want the blood... I want it to be so important to me, so sacred to me. And you know what, my brothers and sisters? So sacred and so important, so precious, so powerful, that I receive the benefits of it. Spiritually. We could say all of those things. It sanctifies, it justifies, it cleanses, it redeems, it heals. We could say all of those things... But my brothers and sisters, we really believe it. We're ingesting it. We're living it out. Remember what we said last week in First John, right? It says if we love, if we live, and we love one another, 
If we live in love with one another, the blood of Jesus cleanses us. So the opposite must be true. If we're not living in love, the blood no longer cleanses us. Right? So man, I want that the blood of Christ, the precious blood of Christ to wash over me afresh and anew. I want the precious blood of Christ to be so important to me that I know that when I'm praying for my baby, He's hearing me right now. Why? Why? Because Jesus spilled the precious blood. And greater is He who is in you, that one that you're ingesting, than He who is in the world. When I'm praying for my children, I want to know that God is hearing me. Not only that I want to know that He's hearing me, I want to know that He is not... Look at He is willing. He is willing that they shouldn't be lost, that they shouldn't be harmed. Come on. When I'm play, praying for my family, when I'm, praying for, when I'm praying for you, when you're praying for me, we want to know that we know that we know. And it's by His blood that we're healed. It's by His blood that we even have the right to make our supplications and prayers to Him. Amen? Amen? So Lord, here we are in Your very presence. Lord, thanking You for Your precious blood. Lord, let this be a resolution for me and whoever else wants to say yes and amen. Let me be so cognizant of Your blood, how precious and how powerful it is that it inspires me to want to do more and more and more and more. Lord, let us walk so closely with You that even the very people that are closest to us see something different. Lord, we want to be closer. Your blood has given us the authority, Your authority, to come close And Lord, we ask that we would be able to come close to you by the blood of Jesus. Live the life that you've called us to live. Lord, heal us. There are people in this room and certainly people that are watching. Lord, thank you for the healing that you've already done. The the supernatural, powerful healing by your blood in our physical bodies. There are people in this room that have testimonies. Lord, we need more testimonies. So Lord, by your blood we receive your healing from the top of our heads to the soles of our feet. Lord, by your blood. Lord, we pray the blood of Jesus, your blood which is able to run off the enemy, your blood which is so powerful. Lord, we ask that our children, our children become young men and young women after your own heart, that they understand the power of the blood that you shed. Lord, We ask that you would protect our children while they're away, while they're near, that you would protect our children, Father, for no other sake than than we're your children and we're covered in your blood. Protect our children. Lead God and direct them. Lord God, I prayed last week, we prayed together for the drop of blood, Father, just by our right ear, our right thumb, and the right big toe on our, uh, on our feet, symbolically. And Lord, I'm, I'm begging you in the name of Jesus that everyone under the sound of my voice, including me, Father, would hear your voice, would do the work that you've called us to do, and walk in your ways. Father, more closely than we've ever been before. Father, I pray all this in Jesus' name and ask, Lord, ask you, touch us fresh and new.
Amen and amen. Let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in thy sight. O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. God bless you. Go in peace.